Antitrust law is especially compelling because free and open and competitive markets are at the very foundation of a vibrant economy. But antitrust laws can also be very complex. And what happens when that complexity is introduced to the technology sector? We're about to find out. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to Jones Day Talks Technology. Welcome to Jones Day Talks Technology. Today we're talking about technology and antitrust law. We're here with Craig Waldman. Craig is head of Jones Day's California Antitrust Practice. Craig, thanks for talking with us today. Happy to be here. Let's start with a definition. Can you explain to our listeners what exactly the field of antitrust law covers? Sure. The antitrust laws are really just the policy rules, regulations that dictate competition in the marketplace. Businesses have to deal with each other all the time, whether it's through mergers or in the marketplace as joint venture partners or as suppliers and distributors. And really, they're just the rules of the road that companies have to observe to make sure that customers and consumers get the best prices in the marketplace through that competition. So it's about maintaining a reasonable and fair level of competition. Is that the right way of putting it, maybe? Exactly. And as a society, we just have to figure out where the line is between the government's doing too much and too little to make sure that that happens. Let's talk about some of the key issues involved in antitrust work. Sure. There are tons of them, obviously. One of them, though, is market definition. Market definition really is a question of substitutability between products. How big is a market when you're looking at an antitrust problem? What companies are included in the market? And what market share do companies have? And the reason why it's so important is because when companies have a higher market share, they tend to have more risky, antitrust issues have a tendency to be more risky. So a lot goes into us figuring out how products interact with one another and exactly which companies are doing what in the marketplace. What situations, what sort of business transactions prompt an antitrust question or investigation? Yeah, there are a lot. I mentioned some of them previously. There are acquisitions of competitors, for instance. One competitor wants to buy another one. The question always arises, are they such intense rivals and is the market share high enough that the FTC or the DOJ or foreign authorities should step in and say that the transaction shouldn't go through? There are channel management issues, which we call vertical issues. Manufacturer and distributor have to interact. How much can the manufacturer dictate the pricing, for instance, of its downstream suppliers? And what other tactics can it take to control the the downstream distribution of its products? Third, there are standard-setting organizations and trade associations. These are situations where competitors have to interact with one another. They have to get in a room. They have to figure out all sorts of standards, JPEG, MPEG, various standards like that, and they have to figure out how much IP are they going to share with each other, exactly what rules are they going to govern so that the marketplace benefits from the standards, but they don't step too far over the line. And then lastly, intellectual property. Issues of antitrust pop up all the time there, too would have been unheard of 30 years ago to talk about IP in terms of an antitrust situation. The other thing that piqued my interest, you mentioned trade associations and standard organizations a second ago. I've always thought they were good guys. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not going to insinuate that, but you don't often hear cases, at least I don't, as a normal reader of business publications. Are they sometimes implicated or they just make introductions or make it a little too convenient for these antitrust situations to sprout up? How does that work? Remember, you've got, if not all, almost all the competitors in a marketplace sitting in the room together talking to one another. So we work with companies all the time to make sure they don't share too much information, but yet they accomplish what they want to accomplish. They're benchmarking against other companies in the marketplace. They are gathering competitive intelligence, but it's not so competitively sensitive that someone could accuse them of colluding or trying to drive prices up. Standard set organizations are a little different. They have some of the same issues, but they have also issues like, for instance, patent disclosure issues. So if 
If a standard-setting organization reaches a decision that here's going to be a standard and here's the IP included, are all the companies following the policies of that standard-setting organization? Or are they telling the group, we have intellectual property over it, or are they disclosing it later and can be accused of sandbagging and trying to strong-arm the organization for money at a later date? As an industry really starts to ramp up, I think there's probably a lot of sharing of information as codes and standards and so forth are applied and kind of spread across the industry. Seems like that's an environment where, if you're not careful, antitrust issues could come about. Oh, absolutely. Technology companies have to deal with each other all the time. They are most often both competitors and collaborators with one another. And so you have to figure out what hat you're wearing, how you're dealing with one another. Are you sharing too much information? Are you sharing not enough information? You're not accomplishing what you do. And we help companies get as far as they possibly can to accomplish what they want to accomplish without inadvertently triggering too much antitrust risk. Let's get specific about the tech sector. I'm assuming that antitrust law is different when tech industries are involved. It is. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's some of the same concepts as regular old antitrust, substitutability and such. But how those issues are applied in the tech sector is just fascinating. It makes it a ton of fun. I mean, think about it. When I started my career at the Federal Trade Commission, we didn't even have email. Uh, we just left messages over voicemail. And then Microsoft was obviously a big issue in the 90s. And then now we're at the web and, and cloud services and beyond. And the questions of what products compete with what, you know, what the definition of the market is, what companies compete with one another. Take a semiconductor company, for instance. The amount of variation within semiconductors is astronomical. There's digital, there's analog, there's high-end, medium, low-end, there's one generation and another generation. Where are we going to draw the line of what a market is? Where are we going to draw the line of where two competitors are competing versus where they really are complementary if you get under the hood and look closely at it, which we do? And uh, how does that impact the antitrust analysis? It's really fun stuff. If the markets are different, then it follows that the competition within a particular tech market might be different, too. Is that always the case? Yeah, I mean, the, the big difference in technology is uh, the importance of R&D and innovation competition. I mean, yes, price, of course, is important. Two companies, price fix, prices go up. That can be criminal behavior. So price is important in technology. But the really interesting part of technology, antitrust cases, is the role that innovation competition plays. These companies are really driving and spurring each other to leapfrog innovation. And how does one take account of that when you're looking at antitrust case? It's not always as simple as price, but it makes it a more interesting story and a more trickier analysis at times. Then talk about some of the other attributes of competition in the tech sector. We hear about the rapid disruption of industries. That, and what other traits have you observed? I think a big one that people talk about, and rightly so, is called network effects. Network effects are where my product is more valuable the more people that use it. Take a social media platform, the more people that I can reach out to through that platform, the more valuable it is. Network effects are important because if you're a first mover and there are sticky network effects, you can get a pretty darn good foothold into an industry and you might even be accused of having a monopoly or at least a high market share. And that's a very common thread in antitrust analysis as to whether there is a network effect and how we should look at it from an antitrust perspective. But on the other hand, that's the beauty of tech competition. There's leapfrogging, there's displacement. Who would have thought that ride-sharing apps would have been replacing or at least really intruding upon cabs five, ten years ago? There's always something around the corner, and there's always something that drives the innovators to innovate. And so you know, people can't rest and, and assume that they're going to have some uh, intractable monopoly because there is such intense competition that's out there. I think another issue that pops up a lot is what we eat a fancy term. shouldn't be that fancy. It's called multi-sided markets or platforms. And these are just buy and sell platforms online come in many shapes and sizes and varieties, but once you put all those entities, both customer and competitor, into one online platform, it creates fascinating antitrust issues. 
And lastly, people don't think about this a lot, but, you know, the concept of free is a pretty common issue in antitrust. What does it mean when I get free software? Does that mean that a company is predatorily pricing against another who's charging for it? And how should we take account for the free goods that are sold through technology platforms? I've heard lately about cases involving charges of exclusionary or tying behaviors by marketplace participants. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying before about how companies have to interact with one another because of the way in which these products work. I mean, take a CPU, for instance. The CPU talks to many other chips on the uh, motherboard and on the platform of a computer. It has to interact with them. It has to share communication protocols. And there are times in which there have been accusations on both in that uh, product space and others that a company with a high market share position is not fully cooperating with those in the ecosystem around it. So things like are they actually withholding intellectual property or communications protocols? Or are they engaging in economic bundling or tying situations that might drive the market share of the product? So it all really wraps around the antitrust policy question is what kind of rights, if you will, do the companies that are interacting with those companies with a high market share have? And what point at which do we draw the line and say conduct is exclusionary? Let's go back to IP. And we touched on it just briefly earlier. But IP must be a huge factor in antitrust technology cases. Can you speak broadly about that? Yeah, it is a mainstay in tech. There's no question about it. Obviously, technology companies need to protect their value by protecting their IP. Antitrust issues pop up all over the place. That's why the FTC and the DOJ have come up with intellectual property guidelines to do their best to try to tell the industry where they're going to define rules of the road. But they come up in patent pools. They come up in fair and reasonable non-discriminatory licensing edicts that are sometimes put out by agencies. They come about in standard-setting organizations. Basically, IP is treated like any other property by the antitrust authorities around the world, and it creates unique issues in some ways and some of the same issues as other property. Let's close with an open-ended question. If you had to sum up Jones Day's antitrust technology practice in three or four sentences, what would you say? To be a modest, I think we're pretty darn strong there. I think we have people around the world who really do know these products, whether it's hardware, software, and now with big data is in vogue, or AV, or autonomous vehicles, blockchain, and these other instruments. I think we really do know the technology, and it is extremely important to doing so, as we've talked about today. I think we also, as I said, have tremendous global coverage for all regions of antitrust significance. And then lastly, we have a lot of antitrust agency experience. I was a former member of the FTC. We have former DOJ lawyers, former lawyers around the world. And I think that gives us a certain insight into the way the agencies are thinking and how to best position for companies that might be under investigation. So we're proud of the group. We work well together. And obviously, uh, tech is a big part of the practice. Craig, thanks. Where can a listener go for more information? Well, they can obviously email me at uh, cwaldman at jonesday.com. They can also go to the Jones Day website, which has both an antitrust section and a technology practice section and a subgroup mentioned in there called Antitrust and Technology. Give me a call as well. I'm reachable and able to be located on the Jones Day website. Craig, thanks. Lots of great information. This has been Jones Day Talks Technology, Technology and Antitrust Law. We'll talk with you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of the attorneys appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit www.jonesday.com.